I grew up just a few miles from the Maine border and spent lots of my childhood summer days in York Beach, where many of the visitors were tourists from Canada. I could speak a little French, but not Canadian French. What surprised me the most was how polite and kind Canadian tourists were. They were less direct, more apologetic, and less pushy than my New England buddies. I always wondered why. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we talk to a true Canadian grandmother. She's the author of six parenting books. And even before she hosted a radio show and a podcast, she was considered by many Canadians as an expert on the subject. And today we'll find out more about how her expertise in parenting has translated to her new role as a grandparent. Kathy Buckworth is the host for the Go-To Grandma radio show and podcast, a show for today's grandparents. She's an award-winning author, a media personality, a mom, and a grandma. On the air, Kathy talks with guest experts and shares information about subjects that all grandparents want to hear about. But wait, Kathy, are you a podcast host or a radio host? Maybe you can help your neighbors to the South understand how that works. I'm both. How's that? So the show is aired on Zoomer Radio, which is a radio station out of Toronto in Canada. And then it goes up as a podcast a few days later. So I have the luxury of doing both. What's great about it is it does air on the radio. So I get that that listening audience. Um, but then when it airs on the podcast, we cut out all the ads and it just makes for a much more fun show. So we've got both going on, which is really fun. So who can hear you on the air live then? Where do you have to be to hear that? You'd be in the GTA or the greater Toronto area, actually, but you can also, of course, listen to it online at zoomerradio.ca. So anyone from around the world can tune in at 7.30 on Saturday mornings, uh, 7.30 Toronto time, that is. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. So I read that you've got a 50,000 watt AM transmitter. So at nighttime, I'm assuming we could dial up the AM. If we have an AM radio around the house still, we can dial up your yeah. AM signal and hear that from quite some distance, well into from the quite some continental distance. US. Yeah, quite, yeah, it can go uh, quite north in Ontario, and I'm sure quite south into the US as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. At night, it's much better. But yeah. but most of our listeners are likely to hear you if they listen to your inter- your live internet radio feed on the web, right? That's right. That's right. And that's the best way to do it, I think. Or you can actually go to Zoomer Radio to their actual app online and you can join the Zoomer network there as well. So there's no reason to miss the show. Absolutely not. (laughs) Kathy, could you tell us first a little bit about yourself, your kids, your grandkids, ages of your grandkids? We're all just really interested in that. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I have four kids, four grown kids. So my youngest is 21 and he's just finishing off university. I also have a 24 year old who is working and living in Toronto. I have a 30 year old son who lives in Calgary and I have a 32 year old daughter who is the mom to my three grandchildren. And my three grandchildren are Owen, who will be four in early November, uh, Cam, who is two and a half, and new granddaughter Sloan, who was just born in May, so she is five months old. So it's a it's a pretty busy household out there. I had four kids, and so I kind of get it. But my daughter's having them much quicker than I did. I had ten year gap on mine, and and she's got them in uh, what four years. So yeah, yeah. So so now you've been a grandmother for a little while. How has that changed you? Do you think? It's really interesting. I think I sort of come at it from a unique perspective as well, because as you mentioned off the top, I have written six parenting books and I was a parenting authority and I use it in quotation marks because we're all parenting authorities on our own children, of course. Um, And so having that voice and being in the media around that, I wondered how it would be to be a grandparent. Could I still 
be, you know, not the one in charge. How's that? Because I'm so used to being the one in charge and you know, I'm a bit <laughs> of an autocratic parent, I'll be honest. But you know, what's, what's interesting is it's really nice not being the one in charge. It's really nice. Um, and you maybe have experienced this as well. I know you have many more grandchildren than I do, um, but I know it's, it's kind of nice to be the one that says, you need me to feed the baby at 117 and change the diaper at 227. You got it. I'll do yeah. it. I don't have to decide the timing or the amount or when they go to bed. Um, uh, I kind of like it. I kind of like being the one that takes orders, so to speak. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about this, but I actually feel that that's the key to a great relationship as well as not being the one who has the rules and doing what, what they want you to do, because protecting that relationship with your kids, of course, is, is most important. It's huge. And mm -hmm. we talk about that quite a lot on the podcast because, you know, if you don't do that and uh, you push against, you, you're not going to have a great relationship, whether it's a daughter-in-law or a daughter. Um, so, so when did you actually start the Go To Grandma podcast? Uh, it started, I'm in my third season. So about two and a half years ago. So when my first grandson, I guess, uh, when we launched the show, I joke, when we launched the show, uh, I had one grandson. Then season two, I had two. Season three, I have three. So I'm saying to my daughter, we haven't seen four. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah so no it's pressure. Been, it's been a lot of fun. And I've interviewed, I guess at this point, I, it's more of a magazine style show mm -hmm. where I have um, two or three guests on and we do sort of little eight, 10 minute interviews. Um, so I think I've interviewed over 300 people at this point. And some of them are experts in their field. Most of them, in fact, and some of them are also grandparents and some are grandparents sharing their um, relationships and their activities and their advice for people who are new grandparents. You mentioned that all your kids live in Canada, right? They're yes. all Canadians. Okay, mm -hmm. so I wanted to talk today, we were going to kind of have fun with this, um, talk about Canadian stereotypes. And maybe you can tell us if your family, your grandkids, depending on their age, and, you know, all this, whether they fit these ideas, whether they're actually fitting these stereotypes or they're different from that. Because, we, you know, we need to know. All of us in, in the, the southern part of the United States, we all need <laughs> to know. So first of all, what is it about Canadians that makes them all so polite? It's such a good question. And it's so funny. Um, I used to be a travel writer. I still do some travel writing. And I'd often be the only Canadian in the group. And right away, someone would say to me, you're Canadian. And I'm like, how do you know? And they said, first of all, you say a a lot. And that mm -hmm. is something I do say. And they say, and you apologize for everything. Someone stands on my foot and I say, oh, sorry. Sorry, I had my foot in the yeah. way. Um, you know, <laughs> so I think I'm not sure where that comes from, in a sense. Um, my parents are British, actually. They came from England. They immigrated to Canada in the late 50s. Um, and I think there was a lot of immigration from Britain at that time. And maybe mm -hmm. it's that whole, you know, very polite sort of, you know, structured upper lip society. I'm not sure, but it is definitely true. There are some people in Canada who are not polite. Let me tell you that. So we're not all like that, but yeah. a lot of are, yeah. <laughs> well, you definitely have a reputation for that. Yes. Did yes, these, absolutely. Did these impolite Canadians come from somewhere else? These impolite yeah, right. ones? The impolite yeah, exactly. ones. Did, I don't know. We got to get rid Maybe were, they were came they... from... <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they came from the U.S., but that's not. So, so well, sorry, sorry, maybe. sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. So I, I wondered if it was generational, like if you're finding that the uh, younger Canadians maybe don't say they're sorry as much and maybe aren't quite as polite as the older ones. It's a, it's a good question. I think I think as a whole, that's what our society is sort of like. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, it's hard for me to see with my grandkids in particular because they're so young, right? Yeah. You know, they're just sort of modeling behavior at this point. But with my kids, I'm, I mean, I think 
I think they're pretty polite. Um, and we do notice a difference when we go to the U.S. I said to someone once when I was traveling, I said, oh, that's so American. And somebody <laughs> said, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Uh-oh. And I said, well, in the nicest way, I mean, it, they're very assertive. Yes. And they, you know, and I said, that was the manner in which I was using it. Um, so it's not always great to be polite and stand back, you know? Yeah. But, no, yeah it's, I, it's hard I to tell with the kids. Yes, I would agree that their Americans are very direct. And especially Northern Americans, if you go down to the South, they get a little bit more polite, at least on the outside, they sound very polite. Um, (laughs) So I don't understand that, that accident of geography. If you go from Canada to the South, and I grew up in the South, you go through this swath of tough people. Yeah, right. Right. I I may have married one of those. (laughs) I grew up in New Hampshire. So yeah, I'm not far from you guys. And then y'all get down to where I came from in Kentucky. And it's different down there. Yeah, it is. But yeah, like I is. said, they sound polite, but I'm not sure. There's a lot of things going on underneath. There's right? levels, I don't think yeah. that's true There's of levels. Canadians, perhaps. I don't think that's true of Canadians, perhaps. Yeah. We are known for being quite sarcastic, mm-hmm. um, actually. So sometimes it can be hard to tell. And there's actually been... You know, there's a lot of comedians out of Canada, right? You yeah. Know? Oh, sure. There's tons of them, right, that have come out of Canada. And uh, yeah, and I think it's because we sort of make fun of ourselves. We're very self-deprecating, which I think is a lot of fun, actually. Explain what I read about Canadians having a collective conscience, as opposed to Americans who are very independent. Like in, in New Hampshire, our license plates say live free or die. I mean, it you know, you just have yeah. to be independent. What is that collective conscience about? You know, I think it's always sort of not, it's not being a world power. How's that? It's not knowing that you know, and, and having the, the comfort of living next door to the biggest world power, if you know what I mean. So we don't have, perhaps, um, you know, have, uh, we have very strict gun control laws, as you know, Um, you're not, handguns are illegal. So are any type of, you know, the only thing that's legal basically are rifles um, for hunting. So we have a very different sort of relationship with sort of that whole um, live free or die, I guess, uh, attitude. I would say as a whole, you know, Canadians are more centrist to left-leaning than they are right, but we certainly have the right as well. Um, and I think that lends itself to more of a community sort of, um, I, like I'm using the wrong words, but you know what I mean? It's sort of that sort of community feeling um, that Canadians have. And maybe because, you know, it's so cold up here half the time that we just have to like bind together a lot of the time and take care of each other. Yeah, everybody other out of snowbanks and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? So. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, so speaking of cold, do all you people up there love hockey? Do you like hockey? Do your grandchildren like hockey? So I have four kids and two of them, uh, one uh, a girl and one a boy, played very played hockey a lot. So we spent a lot of time in hockey. Arenas. We're actually more of a ski and snowboarding family, though. Um, we have a cottage that's up near um, what we call mountains in Ontario. And uh, <laughs> three out of four of my kids are snowboarder ski instructors, in fact, so in the wow. job. So we are a winter family for sure. Um, I, I actually don't understand people who move somewhere to get out of the cold. And but a lot of Canadians do. Um, but we, you know, we're very much a winter sports based family. And I think a lot of, you know, you got to go with what you have, right? If you live in the cold, you can't sit inside all day and you can't travel all the time. So this is what we do. Yeah. 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 No, in New New Hampshire, we had a um, ski break. It was called a ski break in the winter, like in February, which it was very different than what you grew up with. Uh, yeah, we just, you know, we needed, we needed time to be able to to take care of what was going on on the farm crop crops and whatnot. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was the summers. 
no break for you. <laughs> so your two kids who uh, who were not hockey fans, it sounds like there was plenty for them to do. Yeah. So my oldest daughter was not into hockey at all. So she was into dance and gymnastics and that sort of thing. And and then my youngest son, um, we always say that, you know, he had to find his own thing because of these all these other siblings ahead of him. So yep. he actually uh, was a fencer, which was quite Ooh. different, actually. So he and my oldest daughter were more into that individual sport. He was a runner as well. So that individual sport thing versus the team sport, which my two middle kids, um, they call themselves the innies and the other two are the outies. The innies really liked, <laughs> they really liked uh, team sports. And they still do. My 24-year-old kid still plays hockey in a women's league. Um, and my 30-year-old son in Calgary is also picks up hockey where he can. So they, that, it is that kind of sport that you can keep, you know, keep going as you get yeah. old. Yeah. So, so. When they were in school, did they learn French or did they already pick it up or what was the deal with French? To. So in Canada, you have to take French in school until I believe it's now grade seven, which are seventh grade, as you say down there, which I think yeah. is like age 12. Um, so we have to take French up until then. Then you can take it as an option. I took French through to grade nine. I have terrible French. It is not conversational French. It's school French, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, sure. Oh, yeah. We uh, all have that. We have two bilingual provinces, of course, Quebec, which is predominantly French, very French. That's their first language. And New Brunswick um, has a lot of French, as does Manitoba. So there are provinces where French is more prevalent. Ontario also has a lot of French. Ottawa is our capital. And Ottawa is, is I would say, easily 50-50 French-English. So if you come to Canada, uh, at more on the eastern side, you are going to hit a lot of French-speaking people, actually, which is, which is great. And my son, my youngest son, went through um, French immersion. So we have choices here. We can go through, you know, regular public school where you get that core French, as they call it, or you can go into a French immersion program. And my youngest son graduated with a French immersion certificate. Great. So, so really yeah. the most foreign word we're going to hear when we go to Canada is A, right? A. <laughs> or poutine. Yeah. Poutine. What, yeah. What is A supposed to mean anyway? Is it just like an agreement? Yes. Exactly. Or... And I'd say it's cold out, eh? So it's kind of like we would say, as someone else might say, it's called a huh or a uh, or something yeah. like that. Right? So, or we got to be there on time, eh? So it's kind of like you're looking for that agreement without mm-hmm. saying, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's very polite, trying to yeah. bring it. And it also is part of that collective <laughs> conscience, right? We're all trying it to is. agree here it on is. something. It's all of us together. <laughs> yeah. Let's for some poutine, eh? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What is the scoop on Tim Hortons? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So Tim Hortons was an old hockey player, actually tying it right back to hockey. He was a hockey no player yeah, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he um, started a, don't, he, had, he had one donut store, something crazy, donut and coffee shop. And actually he died years ago. He was actually not a great guy. I think he dro- died, you know, driving drunk off a bridge or something. Like he wasn't, <laughs> and there was domestic violence. Like it was not a great guy, but he'd already started this coffee shop. So they picked it up and they launched Tim Hortons all across Canada. It's a very Canadian thing to get a Tim Hortons coffee and go to your kid's hockey practice at six in the morning. Um, however, it's not Canadian anymore. It's owned by Wendy's. And people still think that it's a Canadian conglomerate. So whenever we see Tim Hortons, it makes us laugh when people say I'm being so Canadian. I'm going Tim Hortons. But we're certainly known for that. <laughs> we're certainly known for a du- Do you know what a double-double is? No. Explain. No. So a double-double is what you're supposed to order when you go to Tim Hortons. It's double cream, double sugar, which is disgusting. I'm sorry, but yeah. That's intense. It's intense. (laughs) A lot of people order a double-double, yeah. So you probably don't have any Dunkin' Donuts because all the corners are taken up with Tim Hortons, right? You really 
don't. I don't think there are. I don't think there are Dunkin' Donuts in Canada. Actually, I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all over New England, every corner. So that's yeah. so funny. There's no room for a Tim Hortons, I don't think. But we've seen a few. We've seen there a few in Hortons. the United States. Yeah. 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 There are a few. I was in New York City last week, and there's a few Tim Hortons. And I know it's a lot of Dunkin' Donuts too. But yeah, there's yeah, there's some Tim Hortons. There. I'm gonna hope that the closer you get to the uh, to the uh, birthplace of Tim Hortons restaurants, that the uh, the donuts are better. Because I got to, I got to say, I've not been super impressed. I agree. I agree with <laughs> well, you. Actually. I prefer like a bagel or something from there. I agree with you. The donuts are, but you get to open the door handles that are shaped like hockey sticks. So you awesome. Know. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And you know, really, you're what the South has for donuts is Krispy Kreme, and they're completely oh. different. They're not even really a donut, as far as I'm concerned. It's we a, had, it's a sugar delivery there. system, really. Yeah, we have. So when Krispy Kreme opened in. Canada and the Toronto area, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, people lined up, you know, to see the hot sign and all that. Yeah, right, right. And they opened up a bunch of them and you could get it at Walmart and you can get it all over the place. I think there's one left now. So they didn't last, actually, funnily enough. It was such a phenomenon. It's the same as Target, right? Target opened in Canada. Yeah. They opened about, like, I don't even know, 30 or 40 stores across Canada and then they all shut down. Wow, so that's Target. funny. Because, yeah. you know, a nod to the French, we all call it Target. Like that's we tried right. it. <laughs> we try exactly. really hard to we, give you yeah. that honor. We, we yeah, call it exactly. that out, out of yeah. deflated sense of self, really. <laughs> we just want to be prouder where maybe there's no reason to. This is the big question for me because I'm from New England and maple syrup is huge for me. Like, I will not ever eat a pan i mean i don't know when the last time i had a pancake with not true maple syrup oh on she it. is such an elitist such an elitist this is but this is deep truth yeah, i read yeah. somewhere that in quebec there is a strategic reserve of about 55 million pounds of the stuff <laughs> so well, uh we're trying to figure out that strategy what is the strategy behind that <laughs> I'm tempted to say it's a national secret and I can't tell you, but I'm also tempted to say I have never heard that before. <laughs> I have never heard that before. In well, fact, now, now you know you where to go if you really run out of right? maple syrup. So tell me why are you and are your, you and your kids and your grandkids maple syrup snobs too? We are a little bit. And I have to admit, I actually know probably a handful of people who tap trees, like who go out and get maple syrup. It's, you know, it is a thing in Ontario in particular. Yeah, sure. Um, There's maple syrup festivals and there's, it's a very Canadian thing. And honestly, when you grow up with it, you don't realize it's such a part maybe of your identity. But when you leave Canada and you buy maple syrup somewhere else, it costs a fortune. So then you realize how much we have of it. I have a lot of family in England still, and that's the one thing I always have to take them is a huge can of maple syrup because not only do they like the flavor better, but it's so like so expensive over there. It's like gold. So yeah, yeah. it is like gold. So if this is if this is the gold reserve. You've got all these fifty five million pounds it's of it somewhere in Quebec. Probably running Canada's economy at this point. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, you know, for those of you who uh, listeners who have not had real maple syrup, tell us the difference in your mind, between maple syrup and log cabin, for example, the the stuff that comes? Well, I would say that the log cabin, and we have, uh, I guess, Aunt Jemima, something like that, Mm -hmm. right? The same kind of fake syrup. That's almost like just like a liquid brown sugar is how I describe it, right? And a runny sort of liquid brown sugar. Whereas maple syrup, I mean, it should take its time when you pour it out. It kind of, it flows, it doesn't pour. And it's just, yeah, it's that it already has a built-in sort of buttery, sugary flavor to it. It's, Mm -hmm. It's quite different, yeah. Yeah, and, and it up here, 
in ski villages up here, they actually take maple syrup and pour a line of it in the snow. And then they take a popsicle stick and roll it up like a maple syrup lolly. That's oh really my good. goodness. That yeah. sounds amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask you about, I, I've seen jokes about this when I've looked on YouTube and stuff. So tell us the significance of the poppy. Oh, yeah. So we only wear it really at one time of the year, which is right now. In fact, I should have one on right now. Um, it's for Remembrance Day, which is November the 11th, it's the 11th day of the 11th month, 11th hour. So it's in remembrance of soldiers that have fallen in any of the wars, actually. Mm -hmm. And the poppy is from, you know, uh, Flanders Fields, the uh, the poem mm -hmm. uh, from Flanders Fields. So we tend to wear them uh, around now. But I mean, Halloween gets in the way, I'll be honest, like we seem to only be able to deal with one sort of occasion at a time here. So, um, so Halloween is happening right now. Um, and then the poppy goes on and stays on until November the 11th. And sort of the, the community or the consciousness of the the community is that you wear this till November 11th and you shouldn't put up any Christmas decorations until after November the 11th. Oh. Because of course we've already had Thanksgiving, right? Our Thanksgiving is in October. Right. And I, we're not even entirely sure why we celebrate it because we don't have the pilgrims all that either. <laughs> so anyway, th that was in October, um, at the end of October. So then there's nothing between Remembrance Day and Christmas for us, right? So that's... Uh, so the poppy has significance and the money that you donate money, they have it at all shop stands. If you go into a store, you'll see a little box and you can make a donation and that money goes to support veterans. So that it's like your veterans day. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you just have your own pin or do they distribute oh. them or how does how do you get those? You pick them up basically at a Tim Hortons, of oh. course, <laughs> um, or anywhere like you'd walk into sort of most shops will have a little donation box and you put in what uh, the liquor store. Yeah. That's where I got mine from the other day. <laughs> uh, and you donate whatever you want and, and put a poppy on and you always end up about buying five of them because they they're just a pin and they fall off everywhere. <laughs> Some people do get fancier ceramic ones, but it's kind of you want to be donating every year as well. Well, that's great and important yeah. to do. You want to ask about the metric system and the imperial system? Oh, gosh. Well, sure. So we don't understand quite why you do, you wouldn't stay with us on on imperial measurements, or frankly, why we never went metric. I mean, it was threatened. Was say, it was threatened when we were in we grade were, school. Yeah, we went to grade school. Yeah. They were trying to teach us, and it was yeah. almost but like, dang, these kids are too dumb. They can't figure it out. We'll just go back. Well, it kind of it kind of <laughs> lost all its foot pounds of momentum. If I'm going to be specific, and it's interesting to hear that from your perspective too. I don't um, because uh, yeah, wait. So when I was in school, I'm 60. So when I was in school, same thing came in. Sure. And we had to, so I had learned Imperial first and then metric system came in and we all had to learn. And we were told, and I guess this is probably true, that the Americans were going to wear the metric system. And of course, whatever you guys do, we're doing it. You know, uh -huh. Just like you change the time change on us as well, right? <laughs> um, so we were like, okay, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll learn the metric system. And off we march with the metric system. You guys like me. <laughs> um, so we yeah. have this weird system up here, I would say. Now we have such a... So officially everything's in metric. So certainly our highways are in kilometers. I know how far a 5K is versus how many miles something is. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm five foot four. I'm not sure what that is in centimeters. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know how much so I weigh funny. in pounds. I don't know how much I weigh in kilograms. You know what I mean? Like, so we have a weird, weird. temperature is Celsius. We do temperature in metric. Um, yeah. I still sort of know what it is in Fahrenheit, though, because we're in the U.S. often, but also that's what I grew up with was more Fahrenheit. So I can do that translation. Um, but yeah, it's really funny. It's like so when we go to Europe, we're quite at home with it because it's all metric system over there. Sure. Except in England where the roads are in miles. I'm like, what is going on? So, yeah. So right. a lot of places have that real mixture of things going. Yeah. Yeah. And in England, they weigh themselves by stone. By stone. So. 
that's like even different. Exactly. Exactly. So everyone's going, how many stones are you? Yeah. I'm not, one, I'm not asking. One stone is 14 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. You know, seriously, I, I feel like Canada is just so much cooler than the U.S. and I'm pretty sure they know it. You guys know it. Well, because when I traveled to Europe, also Europeans knew it. I saw hitchhikers waving the Canadian flag on the side of the road for a pickup. And I feel like if a, an American did that, not sure anybody would get picked up. I don't think I'd even try. <laughs> we are told, it's funny, when you're traveling, we are told, wear a Canadian flag, like put it on display. Because as soon as we yeah. open our mouths, people say, think we're American. Because there's not a big difference, mm -hmm. obviously, in our accents, depending, unless you're from the Maritimes, that's quite a different accent. But, um, you know, I was, I was getting, a, I was in um, England a month or so ago and I got into a cab and they go, oh, you're from America. And I said, no, actually, I'm Canadian. He goes, oh, sorry. You know, I know you're insulted by that. I said, no, little, to be honest, but I said, I said, you should ask first, you know, and yeah. you never thought of that. Right? And I said, it, I think if you asked an American if they were Canadian, they might be okay with that. I don't know. Yeah, we I, might say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even be um, like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. We were like, I know when I was in Europe, um, that is how I felt. I wanted, I wished I was Canadian because you guys are quieter, more collected. Just, it just seemed like a better place to have come from. Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. Yeah. If we can't fix the problem, at least we can have a little fun with it. So thanks for exactly. being good natured about it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it was so fun talking with you about all these things Canadian. I love it. Um, so, you know, we hope to win over some listeners to your fast and fun podcast and radio show. So we'll be on yours yes. on Saturday, November 11th, That's which right. now I've learned is, is Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day. And you'll be on ours on the 10th of November, oh, great. the day before. So Kathy Buckworth, thanks so much for the conversation. It was very fun. That was very fun. I haven't had these questions before. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. And I can't wait to chat with you guys this week about your podcast. Well, that was so fun. I still have more questions about being a Canadian, and I have to say, if it weren't for the very cold temps, I'd be tempted to defect and head there. I'm not sure they'd take us. <laughs> While I know Canadians have adopted some of uh, our American ways, they definitely have a lot to offer that is totally unique, and my guess is they'd like it to stay that way. Yeah, you know, we haven't taken on as much that is Canadian, we as Americans. You notice Kathy mentioned poutine a couple of times. I think some of our dining establishments have adopted a kind of poutine, but the best come out of Canada. What is poutine anyway? Poutine's yeah. a dish of French fries and cheese curds topped with a brown gravy. Ew, <laughs> sounds now, terrible. Well, yeah, we've had it. Uh, I, I haven't. Uh, oh, 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 you had me experiment on it? <laughs> well, now, some parts of the Northeast do have something similar, uh, this I didn't know, uh, called disco fries. Yep. I'm not sure that's the same thing. I don't think it has the cheese curds, just some other kind of cheese sauce on it. Probably imitation cheese. Who knows? If you have any thoughts about Canada, please feel free to write us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com and let us know. Also, we're interested in hearing your thoughts about good Christmas gift ideas for your grands. If you have some thoughts on that, please leave us voicemail at 317-572-7876 and leave your name and your idea. We'd love to hear from you. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about The Golden Bachelor. That TV series on ABC. Yeah, and... And, you know, just as a preface to this, I am not one of these people who watches The Bachelor, but I do have some thoughts about it. And uh, so 
let's uh, see how that goes next week. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in living the grand life. Thank you.